Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, church. That seemed a little unnatural for me this morning. I think I hurt my back a little bit on that. Hey, tell somebody you're sitting next to you. I'm glad you're sitting with me this morning. Tell them that. I am glad you're sitting next to me this morning. I'm glad you're all sitting with me today. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, On behalf of the Stewart family, again, we want to thank you, everybody, for praying for Marianne. We want to welcome Marianne back to our service today. She begged me to get up and talk today, but I just said I got too much to say today, so I'm not going to... No, that didn't happen, but we're sure glad that uh, God's working in her life. Keep praying for her. Uh, Marianne has surgery on August the 22nd, and uh, we're going to be praying uh, with her over that. And I know that she would really appreciate your prayers uh, as God is going to do some great work in her life and bring her back real soon. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, I want to invite your attention to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 17 up to the beginning of chapter 5, a couple verses. We have some first-time guests today. We're glad you're here. Uh, my son-in-law's sister, Eliza's with us today from Norristown, bringing some more Philly love to our church today. Mackenzie's here, young, from Oregon this morning, and she wanted me to make sure that I said hi to you on behalf of her. We're so glad to see her today. Grew up baby out of our church, and now she's out there living a the dream where it's like 40 degrees cooler than here. So uh, we're, we're proud of her and the way God's using her and her ministry there. So I called my talk today, To Love, To Honor, and Obey. So when you hear those phrases, to love, to honor, to obey, what does that remind you of? Uh, a wedding ceremony, right? Um, it, wedding ceremonies are interesting. I talked about this a few weeks ago. If you go to a wedding ceremony and you're with your significant other, uh, those are words sometimes that you hear that you kind of, There's always conversations between husbands and wives at wedding. We just saw Madison get married a couple weeks ago. Maybe, how long ago has it been since you've been married? Two months. So they they got married two months ago. We're on vacation for seven weeks, and now they're back in church, and we're glad they're here with us. But when you're sitting there listening to the the, the wedding vows, usually couples will kind of whisper things to each other, like, uh, when, when you say this part, to love, to honor, and obey, you usually see a husband or wife look at each other and go, yeah, right. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> right? And they have these little conversations back and forth. And we've been talking about some of this stuff. Kim and I are leading a, uh, a, a summer life group for, for marriages. And we're going through the five love languages. And we're, I'm really looking forward to this week. The next few weeks are going to be great, too. If you haven't been able to be a part of that, we meet on Wednesday night at 6.30. And we would love for you to come out. If you've missed the first couple, don't worry, you'll merge right into the class, and it's been really, really good, and we've had a lot of fun with uh, with a lot of couples from our church getting to know new folks that are part of our ministry now as well. It's been really neat. But you hear those those commitments that are made, to love, to honor, and obey, and you you look at that, and if you're an older married couple like Kim and I are, we've been married 37 years, we remember when we got married, Kim put a picture of, of us up when we were just engaged uh, and some, a kind of couple people say something to me about it this week. She put it up on her Instagram. I had the black fro that was like this high. I had, I had black curly hair, really, really black hair. 
And that is gone. That is theirs. It's not, not there anymore. And we looked a lot different. It's been a lot of years. But just because we've been married 37 years doesn't necessarily mean that we're super duper close. Years don't not make you closer, right, because of all the time that we spent together. But there are things that happen in your relationship that make you become closer to one another. Uh, your kids, the hard stuff, the good stuff, whether or not you're truly trying to operate as one, as God called us to be as a married couple. And those things are, those things are just uh, natural parts of relationships. And that's just not married relationships. You could be friends. Have you ever met somebody that you became friends with instantly and you kind of felt like you knew them for a long time? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, we just kind of click and this relationship is natural. And, and you, you, you actually have a desire to get to know, man, I just want to get to know you better. I want to hang out with you a little bit more. I feel that there's a natural thing here. But what has to happen is time and conversations and mutual investments and things like that that take place in those relationships for you to become close uh, in, in a growing relationship. And the truth of the matter is, if your relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship or friendship relationship or even with your family, your kids, if your relationship isn't growing, it's probably stagnant. And we all hit those little stagnant times, right? with relationships, with our friends. Maybe we haven't heard from them for a while and maybe we don't have as much in common as we used to. Or maybe there's different goals, right, that, that, that we have with other people that we used to be close with where we're not as close to them anymore. And, and this passage of scripture here, we're gonna talk today about our growing, the need for us to have not just a relationship with Jesus Christ, but a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And how that relationship even though it started, now for a lot of people, that relate for all of us, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that relationship started the day that the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, drew you to Jesus, and you said, yes, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Would you forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, and save me? And if you said a prayer like that to the Lord, that was the beginning of your relationship, your lifelong and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the, the, the shame of it is, for a lot of people, that's not only the start of that new relationship, sometimes that's the climax of that relationship. Well, they'll invite Jesus to come into their heart and be their personal savior, but never really get connected to a group or a church or, or other believers or spend time reading the word of God. And it just becomes something that you do instead of something that you are. Well, I go to church and, and I am a Christian instead of you being a passionate follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at this passage here together. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So there's a present tense. As we live in God, then our love, the effect of that is our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we could face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this present world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If somebody says, I love God, but hates another believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And he has given us this commandment, those who love God must also love fellow believers. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. 
We know we have God's children, we love God's children, if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So there are some evidences here in this passage of Scripture that we've read this morning that point to our relationship with Jesus growing. Now, you can answer this question privately. I would never want to embarrass anybody, I promise you, intentionally. But would you say in your heart this morning that you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? And by growing, I mean you're pursuing that relationship in different ways. You're, you're reading your Bible. I'm not telling you. I had somebody ask me one time years ago in church, Pastor, I have a question for you. Do you read your Bible every day? And I went, wow, no. And they looked at me like, oh, you're the pastor and you don't read your Bible every day. I said, well, I really felt like I needed to be honest with you. But there are some days that I miss. I really try not to miss. And really, that was a big day of, of conviction for me. Uh, I, I stay on a Bible reading program all the time. Like every year, I do it a couple times a year. And sometimes I'll miss a day and I'll wake up the next day. I'm like, oh, I forgot to read the Bible yesterday. And I'll do two days in one day. I really, really try. But I know this. If I miss a day or two days or three days or four days or five days of reading the Bible, God doesn't love me any less. He's not mad at me. Arr! What he wants is, is for me to desire to feel closer to him, to get to know him better, because I need that. I need the Bible in my life. I need God's word saturating my heart. I need church. We all need the word of God in our lives every single day. And if you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, God wants, and, and listen, I get it. The Bible's not the easiest book to read that you've ever picked up, okay? I, I understand that. But I promise you something. If you ask God to give you a desire to do that, and, and, and don't do what Tammy's doing. Don't jump in in Leviticus and just start reading there, okay? We're, we were talking about that last week. And I just finished Numbers today, and I'm pretty excited because Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges, and Ruth, things start happening. And I'm excited about that. I'm familiar with the stories, but they're an encouragement and a challenge to me. But in Leviticus and Numbers, you're like, well, it's really hard loving reading the Word of God today with all these genealogies and numbers of the tribes and rules on how to go to the bathroom. And, and it's really in there. There really is in the Bible, those different things. But if you ask God, God, give me a desire. And don't start off going hardcore, deep, deep in the, in, in the old. Read the book of John if you've never read the Bible before. Start reading the epistles. Go through the New Testament. Read the book of Psalms. Read a proverb every single day. Find a reading program that works for you that you could stay with and be steady with. Because the Bible teaches us all throughout the book of Psalms. Psalm 119 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter in the book of Psalms. Because all 176 verses in Psalm 119 directly deal with us reading and applying and following and, and, and living by the word of God. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against God. If we want to have a growing relationship with God, we need to be in his word. We need to be in the fellowship of other believers and with people we have things in common with. 
I love coming to church on Sunday morning, saying hi to everybody and the warmthness and the greetings and, and seeing people you haven't seen sometimes in a little while and all those. I just love the fellowship and the love and the mutuality that takes place at church. We've been having a good time on Wednesday nights with our couples, some of our married couples in our church, and just connecting, getting to know people a little bit better. Why? Because we pursue and desire a growing relationship. And that's what God, listen church, God wants that for you because you need that. God wants that for me because he knows I need that desperately. So here's some things we can pull out of here, understanding if you have a growing relationship with God. The first thing is this is confidence, is confidence. You know, one of the things we've been learning through our uh, love languages study is, and and I spent a little bit of time talking about it this week, is is, kind of like the introduction to our class, is that we're not studying these so our mate understands us better. We're studying these things so we can understand our mate better. There's a lot of times that I have had people come in my office for counseling. We talked about nonverbal communication this week. It's kind of a funny thing. Where people will sit down and one person will sit here and the other person will sit here and their shoulders and their backs towards one another. And you could just kind of tell without them even saying a word, okay, there's something going on with these two right here. There's somebody... There's some bad juju going on right here, right? And you can feel it in the room. And, and, and the truth is, we're really, really good, right? We're really, really good. Think about somebody in your life. Husband, wife, son, daughter, brother, sister, mom, or dad. Where things are off with you, okay? And tell me why. Because here's what you would say. Well, they, this, they, this, they, this, they, this, they, this, they, this, they, this. They don't this, 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 this. They need this, this, this. And I'm really good. If you want to know what's wrong with my wife... Come and talk to me about it. I could tell you everything that's wrong with her, which is absolutely nothing, of course, right? But the truth is, we're really good at finding fault in other people. But man, when it comes time to, to, you know, to being admissive of our own issues and problems and what the negative dynamic I'm bringing into this relationship that isn't flourishing or growing, those are kind of hard, harder things to do. And what God is teaching us here is in, in his word is that we can have confidence in our relationship with him. See, our human relationships, sometimes we get insecure about them because we lose confidence in the way that we feel about each other. Or we lose confidence even in ourselves. Or even insecurity kind of can be a big part of that as well. But God wants us to know something about that personal relationship we have with him. In verse 17 he says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We don't listen, church. While you're here on earth as a follower of Jesus Christ, he does not want us to live in fear. Now, there's things we need to be afraid of, right? You need to be afraid of, 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 of you know, walking out in the middle of the highway when the traffic's bad. Don't do that. Like, don't live stupid. But God doesn't want us to live with this idea of fear where our whole life, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and this happens to all of us. It was a part of my life for a long, long time, too, my self-doubt. But we'll, we'll, make, we'll say that prayer. Dear Lord, come into my heart. Please save me. Please forgive me. Help me to live for you. I give myself to you today. And then we doubt that. How can God love me? I'm so, does anybody ever feel that way? How can God love me? I'm such a knucklehead. Let me, does anybody else deal with that sometimes, right? You might not say knucklehead, but I say knucklehead. How can God love me? I have doubts. I have fears. These other people are so much better than me. God's got to love them a lot. How can, 
How can he love me? You know, I mean, how can he love me when, I, when I've got all these struggles and insecurities and all these things that I deal with? And what God is telling us in this passage of Scripture here through, through John is that our, our love grows more perfect. It's a process. It's a lifelong process so that we will not be afraid of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. God doesn't want you to walk around your life as a believer afraid of him. He doesn't want us to live in fear of him. He wants to, us to know that he loves us. He wants us to know that he gave everything so that you can have a relationship with him. He wants you to know that he's looking forward to spending forever with you. He wants you to know that your eternity in him is secure. He wants us to have confidence in that relationship. Verse 18, it says, this kind of love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's because we're afraid of punishment. And if you read through the word of God, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, asked him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, he's taken every sin that you've ever committed in the past and in the future, thrown them in the city of forgetfulness, separated them from you as far as the east is from the west. If you know Christ as your savior, and the very last thing you do before you die is a sin, that's kind of scary. I want to get caught doing the right thing, don't you? I want to be like in church, you know, saying something nice to my wife or something. I want to be doing something good when Jesus comes back or even when I pass away. But the truth of the matter is we kind of, oh, man, I hope I do good like right towards the end because, man, the last thing I do, I don't want to see God and like face, you know, face God's wrath. Listen, your church, hear this. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, your sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of everything that we believe. What Jesus did for us gives us access, and it also gives us a relationship that we can have confidence in. And this shows, at the end of verse number 18, this shows that we have, if we, if we struggle with this, this fear of punishment, God's going to punish me, God's mad at me, God's going to punish me. This shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Why are we supposed to love one another? Well, because he first loved us, Right? We have confidence, and it's hard. Listen, all of us know or we see arrogant people, and sometimes we can be that way too. You know, I like to watch professional sports, and usually when somebody does something really, really good, they're pounding their chest or, you know, they're kind of doing one of these things, wanting everybody to cheer for them, and I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, or this and this and that. And, you know, we can be that way in our own Christian lives too, you know. Uh, and maybe not that blatantly where we're going, you know, mm, I was a good dad today kind of a thing. But we feel that because what we do is we compare ourselves. Man, I'm a way better dad than that dude over there. I'm a way better husband than that guy over there, right? And then the other side of that too reigns true. Man, they're way, way, way better than me, right? And we do this comparison thing. God doesn't want us to compare with each other. God wants us to set the standard of our lives to be more like Jesus Christ because our confidence isn't in our own accomplishments, Anything that you do in your life, the Bible tells us in the book of James that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. It comes from above. Anything good that happened in your life this week, let's just say, for instance, if you hit the mega millions this week, I'd like to take you out to lunch today. I want to buy this whole building. That's why I would like to buy this whole building someday, the church buy it. So if you did that, we could talk after church, we can get that done. And it'll be a great thing. Amen? Okay, that wasn't super loud, but I get you. I'm, I know you're supportive of that. But it, it's kind of funny how when we think about 
the things that we want to be confident in, right? We want to be confident in our accomplishments. We want to be confident in what people think about us. We want to be confident in each other. But the truth is most of us are insecure, right? We kind of, we look at ourselves and, yeah, I'm not that good and I'm not as good as or this other person's a lot better than me. And we put the focus of our relationships that really what it comes down to, we put the focus on ourselves. Where God wants you to put your focus of your life on him. And the confidence that you get from that is confidence in what God has accomplished and what God has gifted you with and how God's going to sustain you. Whether you have or you don't have, God wants you to know that you can be 100% confident in your relationship with him. So one evidence of our relationship growing in a growing process with our heavenly fathers, we have confidence in him. Here's the second thing. Is, is, is a growing uh, relationship comes from honesty, honest hearts. Verse number 20, it says, if somebody says, I love God. Now, I don't think anybody would say, if I were to come up to you after church, hey, do you love God? Everybody's gonna say yes in church. Do you love God? Now, there are times, I talked to a friend this week uh, that's going through some stuff, and um, we had a very, very candid conversation, and I actually told them, while I was talking to them about this burden that they're carrying, I said, you know what? It really is okay if you get mad at God. And man, that sounds sacrilegious. <gasps> Getting mad. I'm, I didn't say curse God. I didn't say disrespect God. But I'm saying have a very candid, honest conversation with him about where you are in your life and how you feel. There are times in my life, just like there are times in your life, where you have felt that God hasn't been fair. Now, why is it that way for them and it's not that way for me? I'm trying. He's lying. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. They're living like a junkyard dog, right? We do that kind of thing, like I was talking about earlier, comparing. But the thing is, God wants us to be honest with him. He says, if somebody says, I love God, if I were to, do you love God? Yes, I love God. Okay, well, if you say that you love God, but you hate a fellow believer, guess what? The Bible says that you're a liar. Because if you don't love people that you can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love fellow believers. Now, I can promise you something, at the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, whether it was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, or many, many years ago, you didn't have this thing inside of you where you instantly loved everybody, right? That's a process of growth. Because church, you know this is true, all of us have people in our lives that are hard to love. How many of you know HTL people, hard to love people, right? Come on now, raise your hand up in the air. Stinking liars out there this morning. No, I love everybody. I love everybody. No, you don't. There's people that, and isn't it funny how some of the people that are hard for us, that are hardest for us to love are like front and center. Like we can't even get away from it. Like they're right there and God wants you to face it. He wants you to confront it. He wants you to be honest with him about it. And you know, having an honest prayer and an honest talk with God about it is really, really healthy. God, I get it. I know I'm supposed to love this person, but dang, Lord, I think you could say that to him. I don't think he would get mad at that. Lord, I just don't understand it because, man, they're so different, and they are so hard to love, and they are this. And and here's what's going to happen to you. I promise you this is going to happen. The more you pray about it, the more that you're going to realize how potentially unlovable you are to God, and he still loves you. God, I need patience with this person. He, the, they do this, they do this, they've said this, they've said this, they've said And there's just, there's like this thing that the Holy Spirit does. Uh-oh, you mean they're just like you. Okay, I get it, I get it. So maybe what you need to do 
is to start loving people. This is what God's saying. Maybe you should start doing what I do is just loving everybody. And boy, it's, we agree with that. Should we all love our church? Should we all love everybody? Should we all love everybody? Yeah, we agree with that. But man, practicing that is hard. And you know what's funny? We always say, well, you know, it's not like they're found. Sometimes your family's the hardest people to love in your life. That's just true. Because we know each other so well, and we get on each other's nerves like crazy sometimes. And sometimes we stay married or stay in a relationship out of obligation more than we do because there's actual mutual love and care for one another. And that's not healthy either, right? But sometimes the people we're close to can be the hardest people for us to, to truly love. And God says, well, if you say you love me, how can you love me if you don't, if you don't love people that you see? You've never even seen me. And I think there's, there's something about our relationship with God if we pray honest prayers, praying honest prayers. What does an honest prayer look like? Well, an honest prayer has, you know, I, when we talk about prayer, I always go back to this little outline uh, from the word the, uh, of Acts, A-C-T-S, where, where healthy prayer modeled after the Lord's prayer has adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration, we're acknowledging who we're talking to, the God of the universe, right? Confession, Father, forgive me. I did this, please forgive me, you know, help me not to be that way anymore, blah, blah, blah. Prayers of confession. Thanksgiving prayers. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my car that made it to work today. Thank you for the extra gas this week when it's super expensive, right? All these different things that we don't even acknowledge sometimes that are good things in our lives we can thank God for. And then the very last thing that Jesus implores for us to do in his Lord's Prayer outline that he shares with us is ask. Now, he also says, anything you ask for in my name, I'm a, I, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. You're my children. I'm going to bless you more than you can even understand. And we get that, and, and, and we celebrate that. But, boy, an honest prayer sometimes might not mean, you know, Father, everything is just so wonderful, and I thank you for this church, and I thank you for all the good things, and like all the flowery, Christian-y kind of stuff that we're supposed to prayer, is pray in our prayers. Maybe a prayer that you could pray to God is, I don't understand what I'm going through right now, and I need you now. This stinks. This is hard. This is harder than I'm capable of handling right now, Lord. I'm not seeing you through this, and I need to see you desperately. And pray, and pray, and pray, and be honest with him. So a growing relationship with God is confidence, has honesty, and it also has this, joyful obedience. Chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, everybody who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everybody who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Now listen to this verse and listen especially to the last two words. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments, church, are not what? Burdensome. Burdensome. Here's what... Here's what it looks like when you're hit with a commandment that, that you kind of feel like it's out of your range a little bit or you don't want to do it, okay? Let's go back to when we were kids and you were little and your parents would say to you, hey, go upstairs and clean your room. I want all your dirty clothes in the laundry. I want you to fold your clean clothes. I want you to change your sheets and make your bed. And I want you to get up there and you can't do anything the rest of the day until you clean your room. It's a mess. Now, I'm sure not everybody in this room was like that, 
But there's some court of familiarity in that for just about anybody, I'm sure, right? And your parents said that to you, and as a kid, your response was like, oh, that is awesome. I was thinking the same thing. I really, I was hoping you weren't going to clean my room today because I really, really, really wanted to clean my room today. Thank you for this opportunity. Mom, I love you. How many of you parents ever heard your kids say something like that before? Zippity-doo-dah, right? Well, we do the same thing to God. I remember, and I'm going I'm to tell a story about Kelsey because her sister-in-law is here. When Kelsey was young, we told Kelsey, Kelsey, you can't, I don't know, whatever she wanted to do until you go in and clean her room. Do you know what that little girl did when she was like 12? She, I think she was like 12 or 13 years old, just like in junior high school. She put all of her dirty clothes in suitcases and put the suitcases in her closet. And we walked in her, we walked in her, and it was like two minutes after we told her to clean her room up. And we walked out and we were like, wow, your room is really, really clean. And somehow Kim's spider senses were tingling, right? She's a mom. Uh, this isn't jiving here. We got to look into this a little further. And there was two suitcases in the closet with all of Kelsey's dirty clothes. Boom, she got caught, right? Because that command that her mom gave her was a burden to her. Now let's fast forward it now to being adults. Malachi chapter 3 and 4. Give your tithe unto the Lord. Ugh, Lord, does the church really need my money? I don't like the way the church does this with money. I think my money needs to be this. God, you gave me my money. I'm going to do it with this, this. And, what ha- and it's just not about tithing. This is not a message on tithing, so take a chill pill, okay? But here's the truth of the matter. There are things in the word of God that we hear sometimes that are burdensome to us. Here's another burden. God speaks to your heart. You know you got some junk in your life that you need to either ask forgiveness for or go to a family or a friend somebody that's close to you, and you need to ask for forgiveness. And you fight that a little bit. You know what that becomes to you? Burdensome. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back. It, they started it. They were the first ones. And, and you got this little, I won't use the word I used the other night in our little conversation, Sergio, but they have a little you-know-what standoff that's going on between them, right? And if you were in our class the other night, you know what it is. You can ask me after class. But uh, you have this little standoff going on back and forth where you're mad and she's mad and she's mad and she's mad and this one's mad and that one's mad. And sometimes we get mad just because we're mad and we even forget why we're mad at one another. Why? Because the command that God gave us to love and to forgive one another, you've allowed it to become a burden to you. I don't want to go to church. I want to do this. I don't want to go to a life group. I want to do this. And listen, I'm not saying it's in the Bible that says thou shalt go to church every time the doors are open but it does say we need the fellowship of other believers and we're not supposed to forsake that. We need that. And God didn't put that in there to go, (laughs) I got this really, really weird rule because they're my kids, right? And parents do this too. You got to go to bed at seven o'clock, right? (laughs) And they get us back. They won't go to bed till they're 11, right? They won't sleep until they're 11 11 o'clock. But sometimes we think that God's up in heaven giving us all these little dastardly rules because he has all this control of it. Everything that God, listen church, everything that God tells us to do in his word is for our benefit. It's for our benefit. Because when we obey him, God's like, woo, now I'm going to bless you. And I'm dying to bless you. I got so many good things I want to do in your life. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. You think you've experienced good already? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to what? God's power that works in us. When does that happen? When we obey God. 
And it's not just obedience. I'll go clean my room, mom and dad. And that like 45 to one, and a half, to one hour project turns into like a three hour, you know, experience of hatred and, 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 and meanness and, and, and bad words being said to one another and, and things like that. And sometimes we obey God like that. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to obey God. That's not joyful obedience. Joyful obedience is, you know what? You gave everything to me. And that's all you're asking for me in return? I'm there, Lord. I got it, right? Joyful obedience is an evidence that your relationship with God is growing, not burdensome. Here's the last one, number four, victorious living. Chapter five, verse four. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Victorious living. Can I tell you something, church? God doesn't want you walking around this world like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Uh, how you doing today? Oh, man, life is hard. It's such a burden. I got to get up and work today. I don't have enough money to pay my bills. This is bad, and this is bad. and this. That's not victorious Christian living. And you don't have to, and here, you know what's really funny? We think about victorious Christian living means we have a lot of stuff and we can be thankful for it. You know, some of the most thankful people in the world that I've ever talked to were people that Kim and I ministered to in the Philippines that had nothing. They would work for 250 to 300 pesos a day, which is five or six dollars. And at the end of that 12-hour day of making five or six dollars, they would walk to the open-air market, buy a bag of pre-made rice, like about this big, buy a little tiny piece of fish, sometimes a piece of chicken, had enough money to buy dinner for their family that night, and they had joy. You know what we're burdened with? We're burdened with the great living in the United States of America. Here's why it's a burden to us, because we're not thankful enough for it. We're not thankful enough for it. God wants you to experience victorious living through him. So if our relationship with Jesus, if we, if we understand this, that our relationship with Jesus specifically grows in stages, then we must cultivate our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to pray. James 2.23 says, and so it happened, just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Is God, is Jesus Christ God's son who gave his life for you so that you can have a relationship with him, so that you can have forgiveness, so that you can have a secure eternity? Would you say that Jesus Christ is your friend that sticks closer than a brother? Do you talk to him? Do you care how he feels about your life? Here's number two. Not only do you have to cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're cultivating your relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship is going to influence your life. My life is influenced every day by the woman that I'm married to. And I'm so, so thankful for Kim. I, I promise you, church, I am probably one of the blessed people I have ever met in my life because of the girl that I'm married to. And I'm not saying that because I'm in trouble this morning. She's not even in here and I'm saying that, okay? So I'm not even getting any credit for it, all right? But here's the truth. If we have a true relationship with others, it affects you. When, when Mary Ann was in the hospital and things got real, real serious and it was... It was Man, I'm real, we're really, really, really thankful she's with us today because we didn't know if that was going to be like that for a little while. And it really causes you to reflect and to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray and to pray. I'm like, man, Lord, we, 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 I need Mary Ann in our church. She's a blessing to our ladies. She's a blessing to the business of our church. She's a blessing to our daycare. 
She's a blessing to my family. We're even like connected by marriages, which is like really, really weird. And like these worlds have just collided and meshed into this one thing. But she's a big part of our life, right? Her life has impacted my life and has also impacted the life of the church. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible teaches us in 1 John. Because you have Jesus, you're going to treat people a little bit differently. Because you have Jesus, you're going to try to love people because you want to please him. If you have Jesus, you're going to pursue him and pursue things that honor and glorify him. Number three, our relationship with him will deepen our love for him. John, 1 John 4, 19. We love him. Why? Because he loved us first. You're not going to love Jesus the day that you get saved as much as you will maybe 30 or 40 years later. Because there's an old song, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. It's a really good song. But here's the truth, church. If that relationship is, if you're growing that and you're investing in it and you're listening and you're obeying and you see God work in your life in a personal way, you're going to love him more than you did from day one. Here's the last thing and I'll pray and we'll close. The more we love him, now this is significant. The more that we love him, the more that we become like him. Romans 8, 29, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The longer that you love Jesus, the longer that you read his Bible, the longer that you understand what it says in Philippians chapter 2, let this lifestyle be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, where we're supposed to have Jesus as the prime example of the way that we treat people, the way that we love people, the way that we live our lives, the way that we're honest, the way that we obey God's commands. We all do that because we want to be more like Jesus. Well, here's what's true. The more that you become more like Jesus, and you're just trying, I'm going to be more like Jesus today. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to spend more time reading his word. I'm going to be the guy I need to be. I'm going to be the lady I need to be. Today, right? I said this to my buddy Dakota this week. When, what day do we have to win, Dakota? We got to win today. Got to win today. I can't, I can't go back where I messed up yesterday, but I'm going to learn from that, and I'm going to win today. And because I'm going to strive to win today, because I love Jesus, as he starts to work in my life, and I see some answered prayers going on, and I sense his working in my life, even when I'm a knucklehead, and things aren't going the way that I want them to because of my flesh, but I sense God doing some things in my life, wow, it really causes me to love him more. So if you have a relationship with God, that relationship with God, because of Jesus Christ, ought to be a relationship that's growing. So I asked you for this when I started, I'm going to ask you this again. Is your relationship with Jesus Christ a growing relationship? If it's not, and you realize that, you're in a good spot. You pray and say, Lord, forgive me for not spending more time, me spending more time investing in your word and investing into you. And Lord, I need to hear from you this week. Help me to be like you. Please surround me with people that have the same values. Lord, help me to spend time in your word this week. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said that in the Beatitudes. And what's the result of hungering and thirsting after righteousness? You will be filled. That's what God wants for your life. So what are you going to pursue this week? I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to go to work. i got stuff I'm going to do. i got a list a mile long. My sweet daughter Kelsey that I threw under the bus this morning is having a baby on Wednesday by cesarean which is also Kim's birthday. So we have a birthday party this week, and we have this, right? I've got a whole list of a gazillion things I'm doing this week just like you do. But 
If I don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I forfeit the opportunity to have all these things added unto me. Right? And that's what God wants from you. So seek him first this week. Let's pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you that it's hard to hear sometimes. Uh, and Lord, even harder to apply. But as we get to understand it a little bit better and we just take steps of growth, I know I'm not the gladiator Christian that I want to be yet. But Lord, I'm not going to be discouraged by that and stop pursuing that at the same time. Help me to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ every single day. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I pray over every man and every woman in this room. And we talked about relationships, Lord, just as an example, because it's such a it's such a real tangible thing to us. But there's no greater relationship that any man or any woman in this room could ever have than a personal relationship with you. So I pray, Lord, this morning that not only does everybody in this room know you as personal Savior, but they're casting all their cares upon you because you care for them. That they're seeking you so that they may follow you and obey you. That they're confessing their sins. That they're reading their Bible on a regular basis. That they're pursuing the things of God in their life, Lord, so that you'll do great things through them. All for this, we all, all these things that we want to do, seeking first the kingdom of God, being more, all that, because the very core of our life, our, our number one purpose is to bring honor and glory to the creator and the king of the universe. So help us to do that today. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for faithful people in our church. I thank you for, for, for people allowing God to work in their lives as we've seen all throughout the summer as we've been growing. And I pray that you'll continue to use us to be an encouragement to people in their daily walk with you. Teach us all to pursue you today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agrees says this. Amen. Hey, we're